Let's continue our daily Bible reading in the last two chapters of the book of Ezra. Uh, Ezra the priest and the scribe, as we're told about in the uh, in the earlier part of Ezra. We're in chapters 9 and 10 of Ezra. Remember when we start out in Ezra, we have this wonderful proclamation from Cyrus, the Persian king, who says he's going to allow some of the people to go back to the promised land. The very thing that God had promised, uh, the very thing that uh, that God carried out because he's going to keep a remnant going. We might be as, as unfaithful as we can be, uh, but God's going to see that Messiah is going to come, uh, even despite us sometimes too, which is by the totally by the grace and the unmerited love of God for us. And, and we see an example of that even at the end of Ezra. When you think the people would have learned their lesson after being in captivity for so many years in Babylon, when they come back that they would they would get things right, but, but they haven't. Um, you and I need to always remember that the church is never a perfect place. It's filled with imperfect people. It's filled full of sinners. The thing we need to do, though, is to be people who recognize that sin, who confess those sins, who repent to God daily, uh, and come to him and celebrate and thank God for his precious grace and mercy to us. Uh, that would take away any feelings that we have of being angry at God for being uh, unfair or something like that. If God were fair, you and I would have no chance at all because uh, we're guilty of sin. But thankfully, God is gracious and merciful to us. And, and we see that example here. So chapter 9 starts out with Ezra finding out the fact that even the priests and the Levites had intermarried. Now, here's really important. Those of us who take on positions of authority, whether it's in the church, whether it's the authority of being a parent, whether it's an authority somewhere else, else, um, we have a special burden on our shoulders uh, because people see what we do and they're going to follow what we do. It wouldn't have been right for any of them to intermarry, but especially in the priests and the Levites, it happens there as well. And maybe that's a good example for us too, that, that even our leaders sin too. Even we fail as leaders. We don't always get it right. We're sinners too. We need your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. Um, and we have uh, we need to go to God for his uh, too. And thankfully we can. So Ezra leads him in the right way. Ezra the priest, the scribe, is going to lead him in the right direction. He's going to admit to God and come to God uh, and confess those sins before God. And it's something because in verse 6, um, Ezra even includes himself in that. Even though he hasn't been guilty of this particular sin, he says, I'm still a sinner. He says, our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Notice the our guilt in his confession. Um, and, and that's a good example for every single one of us. Uh, we, we never uh, confess or we never uh, just point out the sins of others, but we also confess our own too. Uh, but notice what, uh, how he describes this in the um, uh, in in the earlier verses where he says uh, he confesses that in this faithlessness the hand of the officials and the chief priests have been foremost. So my point about being um, they're especially supposed to be setting the example and they weren't doing that. And then as Ezra confesses the sins, he also reminds them of the graciousness of God. In verse seven he says, um, "Don't shouldn't we remember that?" Um, we have been given, we have in the past been given into the hand of kings, um, uh, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, to utter shame, um, and kind of reminding them again, don't you remember how you were taken into captivity before? But then he also reminds them of the graciousness of God. He says, verse 8, but now for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God to leave us a remnant. There's always hope with God. Um, there's always hope as we come back to him. And notice at the end of that paragraph, at the end of verse 9, he describes, listen to these things. God has granted some reviving. God has set up the house of our God. 
He's allowed the temple to be rebuilt, to repair the ruins, and to give us protection. So it's not just one thing from God. It's not just giving, not God just giving us a daily bread. He gives it to us each day. It's not just God giving me the things that I need, but he also guards and protects me. It's not just God uh, uh, giving me my time and my talents and my treasures, but he also blesses me with the health and the economy and all those things that I need. And then he finishes chapter 9 by saying to God, O Lord, the God of Israel, you are just. God is just. And he says, For we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. And the people then confess their sins, chapter 10 tells us. Um, but they confess it knowing that at the end of verse 2 they say, Even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. What an example of God's steadfast love uh, to us. And so Ezra goes to the matter of making sure that, that what, is, what has happened has been righted, that these intermarriages be stopped. Because as God had told them when they came into the promised land, you intermarry and you're going to follow their gods. They're going to lead you astray. Um, and so he comes to the priests and the Levites and says, that, that you must you must do this. It takes some time for it to happen. They listen to the people. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a time there for, for each to come forward and, and to see who's actually guilty of that. And when they find out who those are guilty, um, they pledge to put away their wives. And he lists them by name, the ones who are guilty of that. And then the very last verse in the book says, don't you realize that your sin, this sin, affects many others too? Because it says, verse 44, all these had married foreign women, and some of the women had even born children. So those children are going to have to be taken care of too, as well as those those women uh, too. Um, and, and yet and, and yet that shows to us that our sin always has impact on other people. It's not just us, but others are affected by that. And in all of this, um, you think of the fact that, that uh, why is marriage held up so high? Because marriage is one of the ways that God describes his relationship to us. He's that faithful. Jesus is that faithful bridegroom. We are his bride. He has bought us. He has bought us back. He gave his life for us. He is faithful to us. He wants a monogamous relationship relationship with us. That's what the first commandment's all about. And he is always faithful to us. We are not faithful to him, but in his grace and his mercy and his love, we receive forgiveness and we're brought back into that relationship. So much so that Jesus, our bridegroom, has gone to prepare a home for us. And it's the old custom of, of, of picking up the bride and carrying across the threshold into your new home. Uh, Jesus is going to do that for us on our last day, all by his grace and the forgiveness that he won for us at the cross and the victory over death that he bought for us by by his rising from the dead. So we're in a full week here, but we got to Ezra. Um, we're going to start tomorrow on Sunday. We're going to start in Nehemiah and work through all of Nehemiah too. So uh, in a time when I know we're busier and I know there's more going on, it means that we need to be more in the word. We need to be in prayer uh, and lift that up. And, and so uh, we're doing that uh, today and we're going to keep doing that seven days next week as we enter into the, uh, the season of Advent. God bless you as you read.